Acts, as usual these days, chapter 9, starting halfway through verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who, re who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church grew throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Thank you, Jonathan. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word brings life. And so we receive your life now and uh, look forward to you speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, it's so great to see you. Uh, it's especially great to see my wife in church. It's, uh, it's been a long time. She used to tell a story that uh, she didn't miss a meeting since we first met until like Jonathan's delivery, you know, and then after that, not so it was, it's been hard for me not to have uh, my best friend here. And so it's so great to have her back. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you. We've never had this happen to us before that a meal train was created for us because it's just been so I'm inapt and Debbie wasn't able to cook. And so uh, that you would, so many of you have done that. I can't tell you how, how grateful we are. And it's super good food. Thank you so much. We feel very, very loved. Well, we have, a, uh, we have an interesting passage today. I'm really looking forward to getting into it because I think there's some things that are going to be helpful for you. Uh, what this passage does is outline the first few years of Saul as a Christian. And what it could be characterized is, I mean, right from the very beginning, is just pain and suffering. This is a guy, so he comes to Jesus, radical uh, conversion, radical transformation, and everyone hates him, like everyone. So the Jews hate him because he's converted from Judaism. Uh, it's recorded in Corinthians that the Arabs hate him, and then even the Christians, he's converted to Christian, and even the Christians, like, nobody likes him. It's, uh, so you can imagine, you've made a decision to follow Jesus, and everybody is mad at you for that. <laughs> like, everybody. You can't please anybody. And then he has this, uh, the, uh, somebody 
kind of becomes a friend of his, uh, Barnabas, believes him that he really has become a follower of Jesus. And even after that, he's still, uh, he's still persecuted and is often running for his life. And so what we see is that the, the persecutor became the persecuted. And this characterized his life. So why would he put himself in so much danger? What happened that he would be willing to go through so much suffering? Uh, and it's simply this, that he discovered that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah. That fact transformed radically his whole life. Uh, earlier on in Acts, uh, John and Peter went through similar uh, persecution, and they said this, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That they, that they saw the living God, they knew that Jesus was the risen Lord, and it radically transformed their lives, and they couldn't stop talking about it. You know, I think it's true that true faith, a true faith in Jesus can't be kept private. I think it's impossible. If we were, have you ever seen some remarkable thing that happened in the sky or something on the news and you just, you just can't help but tell other people about it? Well, imagine being a witness to the living Lord. And I think it's impossible not to tell other people about Jesus when you've tasted of who he really is. So what is the result of this radical transformation of Saul and what was going on in the church at large? There's a summary at the very end that we want to focus on. It says the church, in verse 31, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Uh, the peace, by the way, wasn't just uh, peace from persecution. There was still persecution going on. There was something internal that was happening. That's what the word means. They enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in, and here's the two phrases we want to look at, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So I don't know about you, but I have never put together in one sentence, encouraged or comforted by the Holy Spirit in the fear of the Lord. Those two things have never gone together in my mind. Yet this is exactly the summary that is given of what the church of Christ was like at this time. So let's look at this, this idea. First, the fear of the Lord, and then the comfort of the Holy Spirit, or the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. So the word for fear is phobos. So if you're a phobia, and does anybody have phobias? I have phobias. I have lots of phobias. And uh, it's a fear of something. Uh, more than that, it's a terror. This isn't like, ooh, this is like freaking out. There's a mouse running. I'm on top of the table. Like it's that kind of, it's terror, all right? Uh, now, so if we look at the idea of, of, this, of this terror, first of all, it's hard to connect that to the idea of being comforted in a God who also terrorizes you makes, you, makes you terrified. How do you join those two things together in our mind? This is not easy to do. Now, uh, so what is that then, what is that fear, that fear, what does that look like? Now, if you've taken transformations here, by the way, we're, we've changed the name of transformations. This is the big deal, mostly for me, because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, my doctoral dissertation was transformations. And so I'm a little emotionally attached, but I'm getting over it. We're going to be calling it establish, which makes way more sense in terms of everything. But um, if you've taken transformations, 
uh, you, you know, I think it's in the second week where we talk about the pendulum swing. Have you remembered this or have you tried to forget it? It's, uh, it's, it's religion and rebellion. And that what we can do is live most of our life being religious or rebellious. Now, what those two things are, is they're a form of fear. When you and I are afraid of someone or something, we do one of two things. We become religious. Another word for that is to become controlling. We try to control the thing that we're afraid of. If you're afraid of spiders, you're going to kill it. If you're afraid of God, you're going to become religious. And you're going to try to control him through your good behavior. But that's what that, when we're afraid, we try to control something. Or we swing over to the other side. We come, in terms of God, we become rebellious. We just run and hide. Or, um, or we become emotionally closed. And we just, we just don't want to think about it. We go to our happy space. Some people who are so traumatized, they can't move. Maybe that's happened to you. The trauma is so profound, you're actually paralyzed. Fear sends us in one of two opposite directions, toward being controlled, uh, toward being controlling, or being emotionally or physically closed off and shut out, what we called in transformations religion or rebellion. Uh, Now here's, this is, Oh, I so want us to get this. So here's the problem with God, is you can't control him or shut him out. It's impossible, and I have scripture to prove it. In uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, it says, God does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. You and I can't escape his control of us. We're trying to control him. No, he controls us. You can't escape it. You can't escape The power and authority of God is just real and true. The only reason why you and I are breathing right now is because God is letting us. He is sovereign Lord. And then in Psalm 139, we can't can't emotionally escape or close off from his presence. It says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's a rhetorical question. We can't. So we're trying to run away from God or control him And neither of those work. You you and I are left with a God we can't control and can't escape from. So I listen to people in, uh, in our city who most people seem to have given up on controlling God. They just rather wish him away. And so whether it's simply through leisure or some kind of uh, alcohol or substance, or being really busy at work, they just try, you're not there, no, I don't see you, no, la, 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 like I'm not think. I'm not going to entertain your reality, but it's impossible to do. Here's the truth about God, is he must be feared. If you have any uh, mild awareness, if you let yourself even a little bit acknowledge his presence, fear is the appropriate response. He's almighty God, and he's controlling your destiny. Daniel 4, 35 again, God does as he pleases, not just with the powers of heaven, but with the peoples of the earth, otherwise known as you and I. God does as he pleases. This is sobering. This is sobering. One of the things that I really like to do in my head when something goes wrong 
is I like to uh, blame that on the devil and then everything good that's going on in my life, I like to say, thank you, Jesus. That's very, very clean for me. Bad devil, good is Jesus. This verse, uh, he does as he pleases with the peoples of the earth. Now, I'm not saying that God goes around afflicting people with cancer or an accident or any of those kinds of things. But if we're being honest about the power of God, we trace it far enough back and God is letting it happen to us. And you and I have to grapple with that. And so what we can do is we can hate him for it. We can say, how dare you treat me of all people? Do you know how hard I've tried to be? How dare you treat me with any kind of contempt or, uh, or hurt? How dare you? God's response is, I do as I please with the powers of heaven and with the peoples of the earth. I'm almighty God and I'm ruling the world in my sovereign authority. That's a hard thing, especially for people from the West to grab hold of. We don't like thinking about those things. But he must be feared. Now, this is where it gets interesting. What does fear mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear anything? Here's what I'd like to present to you. It's two thoughts. Uh, the first is that fear is a loss of control. Fear is a loss of control. So I'm afraid of something if I can't control it. I'm afraid of an animal. Um, we were going biking in, uh, in Pemberton uh, two summers ago, I think it was. And uh, I came around the corner. Tyler stopped in front of me, and he goes, <laughs> there's a very large brown bear from like to the back of the auditorium, not that far, like very, very close, just minding his own business. And uh, immediately there is a lot of adrenaline going through my body. And I'm trying to, you know, stay in control and manage that. But uh, fear is when I'm facing something that I can't control or I feel as though I can't control. Can you imagine how this is true? If you could control something, you're not afraid of it. Like, who cares? But if you can't control something, your emotions, what's happening to you, your circumstances, God, your spouse, your parents, whatever it is, if you can't control them, we have a response of fear toward that thing. We're out of control. Now, here's where it gets tricky and where you're going to have to concentrate for a minute. <clears throat> uh, a loss of control doesn't necessarily mean a loss of safety. Now, let's, let's look at two, uh, two things and then we'll try to explain this. In Matthew 28, 8, after the women see the tomb empty, this is what they say. They're afraid, yet filled with joy. And then we see in this passage, the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. That somehow there's a way to feel out of control and still happy. Somehow there's a way to do that. 
the idea of paraclesis, which is the word that's in, in, uh, translated as encouraged in the NIV, can also mean, uh, by the Holy Spirit, can mean exhorted or comforted or come to the aid of. And this is not referring simply to physical safety, that there's some kind of strengthening and encouragement and comfort that we receive in the Holy Spirit when we, when we are afraid of him. What does this mean? Well, uh, we'll, we'll work on it for a minute. But the first example that came into my mind is I remember uh, back in the day, I used to like roller coasters. Now, I just want to throw up thinking about roller coasters or faint, one of the two. I'm not very manly in that regard, uh, but I'm not great in roller coasters. But I remember in my early 20s, I love roller coasters. And if you've ever been to the p &E, there's that very rickety roller coaster that everybody still seems to like because you can't quite tell whether it's still going to be standing uh, when you're on it. And I don't know why that's enjoyable for us, but we seem to like that. And so I remember uh, going on that roller coaster. Now, uh, there's a loss of control. I can't control this moment. And so there's a heightened fear, but I actually feel relatively safe. I mean, it could go either way, but I feel relatively safe. Like it's possible to have a fear and to know, I'm, there was a thousand people just before me and they're all fine, it's gonna be fine. Like there's no reason to be afraid. It's gonna be fine. I'm not, it's not unsafe but it feels like I'm out of control. So I'm trying to help us in our minds separate the ideas of feeling a loss of control is different than feeling a loss of safety. There's actually, those are two different ideas. So it's possible to fear the Lord, meaning you and I aren't in control. He's in control. And so that's why we fear him. We fear him because you can't, we can't control him. He controls us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I feel unsafe around him. It doesn't mean that you and I have to feel unsafe around him. There's a difference. <clears throat> so what if then the fear of the Lord is, here's my phrase, fearing God is joyfully surrendering our control to his safety and strength. What if what the fear of the Lord is, is saying, I surrender my control to your control? So when I say I fear the Lord, I'm saying, I'm just admitting what's true. What's true is I'm not in control, as if that took a revelation. I mean, if you've lived for any longer than a few minutes, you're not in control, all right? So I'm admitting that. But what I am then doing is I'm saying, I surrender my illusion of control, and I acknowledge that you're in control. And because you're in control, I actually find safety and strength while being out of control. Like this is a shocking idea that there's a way to feel safe and strong without being in control. Now, if you're anything like me, that's a radical thought. I only feel in control, sorry, I only feel safe and strong when I'm in control. Right? I go, I go into a moment. Do I feel confident in this moment? Yes, I do. Then I'm not afraid. But as Christians, acknowledging simply what's true, there's this ability to know you're not in control and still feel safe and strong. Because you know Jesus is Lord 
And as Paul says, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And because of that, he's as bold as a lion, safe in the midst of, I mean, I don't know about you, I have never been let out of a basket uh, through a wall because I'm running for my life. That has not happened to me yet. Uh, But this is the kind of life he's leading, and he is not afraid because he has this other kind of fear, the fear of the Lord. Isn't that remarkable? I just think this is an absolutely remarkable thought. It's possible to be out of control and yet feel entirely safe. I know it's dumb, but I still, I can't help it. I've said it before. Uh, I am afraid of my wife. I don't know who of you are married here. Uh, terror is an appropriate word, but I am, a, I am afraid of my wife. If she's sad, it just kills me, especially if it's towards me. It's like, like I just, it's the worst feeling in the world. If you're not afraid of your wife, you should be. Uh, it's an appropriate response. I just, I just, it just kills me inside if she's hurt and if I've hurt her. I, I, and I feel out of control. I can't do anything about that. Yet, in terms of human beings, there's no one that I feel safer with than my wife. There's no one on the face of the planet I feel the most safe with my wife. I can be afraid of her. I can't control her. And I can feel thoroughly safe. I think it's possible And then we multiply that by whatever large number you can think of. And then that's God. That he is more in control, we're even less in control, and we feel that much more safe and encouraged and comforted because he's in control. (sighs) When we surrender to Jesus as God, the fear and comfort found there produces fearless peace and growth. When we surrender to Jesus as God, look, what if the reason why you and I have so many fears in our life? I have lists of fears, lists of fears. I have a list of public speaking. Uh, Sorry, fear of public speaking. I get every time I, I, I speak publicly, I just, fear comes into me every single time. I do this like quite a bit, if you haven't noticed. And it's still true. I just feel every time I'm out of control. I can't control how you're going to respond. I can't. There's tons of stuff going through my mind. I feel out of control. I feel there's so many areas that I feel out of control in. Don't you feel out of control? Especially going through this pandemic, there's so many things we can't control. And so what I naturally want to do are those two reactions. I naturally either want to control my world and and make clear choices and have everything line up and get rid of the variables and and have a small controlled world, or I just want to tune out. Maybe you like, you know, as they talk about binging on Netflix or something, or, or you've taken up a new hobby, mostly to distract yourself. But this is where our mind goes in an effort to try to grasp control again. And Jesus comes along and says, what if the reason why you're so afraid 
is not because you're out of control. You've always been out of control. You're just actually admitting it now or recognizing it now because you're in a situation that makes it so painfully obvious you can't ignore it. So what if the reason why you're afraid of all these things is not because you're out of control, that's always been true, it's because you're not surrendered to my control. Like what if that's the, what if that's the way out of a, fear, of, a, of, a, of a fear-ridden life? What if that's our salvation? Wouldn't that be great? I think of how much energy I spend on collecting my life and making it manageable. Shutting things out, ignoring things, controlling other people, all in an effort to feel safe again. And Jesus comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, your world will never get small enough and you'll never get big enough to be delivered from your fears. Your only salvation is to fear the Lord. It's your only salvation. It's your only way out is to recognize who I am. And if you would surrender your heart to me, if you would acknowledge what's already, it's just as true as you being out of control, it's just as true as I am in control. And if you let me be that in your life, I will be your deliverer. What outstanding news. I mean, I don't know what you and I are going to do with all of our free time. Like, we just spend so much time trying to regain control of our lives and having a job that we can manage and pay the bills, and on and on it goes. And Jesus says, would you surrender? Don't grasp for control. Surrender your control to Jesus as God. And the fear, the fear, the loss of control, and the comfort that is found there produces two things, a fearless peace and a fearless growth. As you look at these words, the peace is internal and the growth and impact is external. As we fear the Lord, there's the kind of peace that is not dependent on my emotions or my circumstances. It's a peace that is the acknowledgement of who he is in my life and in this entire world. I have an inner peace that you're in charge and you're doing just fine. And nothing that comes my way need rattle me because it doesn't rattle you. So this is my, this is my process. I come into a moment that's difficult for me. And I feel my fear go up. I feel super out of control. And I don't know what to do in that moment. And I acknowledge what's true. I have to acknowledge two things, though. Typically, I just acknowledge one. So, number one, I am out of control. That's true. But number two, you are still in control. And as I find myself in you, I find peace. This moment is not outside of your love or power. It's not outside of it. So I get to find you here, just like you're just as present in this moment as in the moment earlier. When I felt in control, I was just deceiving myself. But now that I see reality, you are just as strong here, and that's true, and so I can find peace. And as we see the Apostle Paul um, model with, uh, in an incredible way, is we can also walk with a, with a level of impact in the world around us that I think we undermine all the time because of our fears. That as we walk into people's lives, there's just, there's just uh, moment after moment of intimidation. 
What if the reason why you and I don't feel we have the impact in the world around us is not because of our lack of competency, it's because of our lack of the fear of the Lord? What if that was our salvation? What an outstanding solution. I spend so much time trying to regain feeling competent. What if that's just a vain pursuit? When we surrender to Jesus as God, the fear and comfort found there produces fearless peace and fearless growth. I think of Matthew 28, 20, that says, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Our Father is not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And he's in control. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the good news of fearing you. I thank you that when we fear you, we're fearless. I thank you that it's our fear of you that is our salvation and deliverance. And so, Father, I ask on behalf of my friends that you would liberate us from our lists of fears, not so much by becoming more competent ourselves, but by surrendering our control and acknowledging your sovereignty. Father, I'm, I ask for liberty tonight, freedom tonight, to experience your peace, to experience uh, being used by you to be able to love and impact others. We're crying out for your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.